Hey, it's great to be with you this morning. I know you uh, have been up and down a few times, but I have a scripture I wanted to read, and I think we need to stand. It's kind of a prophetic word, so as the offering is completed, uh, this is what came to my mind, and uh, I could preach on this, but uh, this is the story of uh, David and Goliath, 1 Samuel 17. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. But the enemy loves to sneer and intimidate. He roars, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? You're powerless, you're puny, you have no experience, you're a kid, you have no chance. I'm a warrior, I am the champion of the world. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I will give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replies, you come to me with a sword, this is your word now, devil, you're coming to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, I come to you in the name of the Lord uh, God of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied today, now here's a prophetic word, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head, there's a declaration you don't often use. Then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. God gets the glory. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with the sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. I know what you're facing, but this is the Lord's battle in your life. You've internalized it. You made it all... Just so typical. You made it about yourself and what you're going through. And you, I, I, I could talk more on this, but it, you're thinking about this is the Lord's battle. He will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. I love that. David's, uh, Goliath's moving out, lumbering, and David runs to him, reaching into the shepherd's bag. He takes out a stone, hurls it with a sling, hit the Philistine in the head. The stone sank in, Goliath stumbled, fell face down on the ground. And he just came with such might, and boom, it's over. I mean, it's over. You talk, you've been shouting and so forth, but all it takes is God to take that one, and what could be one moment he's intimidating, and the next moment he's on the ground. Father, I just pray for people that are walking through things. In Jesus' name, we declare today that this is not our battle. This is not our to fight, Lord. We can't. And, Lord, we just pray the enemy intimidates us and says, you can't do it. You don't have enough. You're like a kid. You don't have experience. You don't have the connections. You don't have the ability. You don't have the resources. You don't have the family. You don't. All those things are coming. Father, we come. This is not our battle. This is your battle. So, Lord, we pray that you'd go before us and go behind us. So, Lord, you'd strengthen us. And, Lord, we declare today that this giant that is actually a stepping stone for our future, we're going to go through the giant to see the future accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Wow, we could stop right there. We could stop right there. Wow. God created us. By the way, I just want to say I love being here today. I just love being part of worship and, and uh, love being with all of you. When God created man and Adam and Eve, he created us in his image. That's why we're different from all the animals. 
We're created in the image of God. Very significant as the whole debate talks and the swirl of society is talking. We're different than all of the other creation. We've been created in the image of God and God breathed his life into us. So our lives differ from the lives of the orcas and all the other animals. We're created in the image of God. But deterioration occurred as man fell, and Jesus came as a second Adam. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, or a new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So my text is Ephesians 3.20, and I've been on this in the last, uh, kind of on uh, what I've been teaching with uh, Axis Church Been on Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. He is able to do immeasurably. It can't be measured is another word for it. It's limitless. He can't be measured. It can't be measured what God can do. More than you can ask or imagine. When God spoke to Abraham, he said, I want you to count the sand. I want you to count the stars. And as he began to see these objects, an image started forming in his head. So the imagination locks into images. So uh, if, if I said the word preambulator, some of you would know what that is because of image. Others of you would go, that's just a crazy, crazy word. If I say apple, your mind immediately jumps to some kind of a fixed apple or a banana. Your mind just jumps to objects because images, images lock in. And God is giving us images through our imagination of what he's intending to do beyond what we can ask or even image it, image it. Message Bible says God can do anything you know, far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He doesn't do it by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. My passage today is uh, to, to focus on, I'm going to jump to the second passage, is Luke chapter 4 verses uh, 38, no, is Luke chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. And uh, it's, uh, I, I want to take this story and unpack it a little bit with the reference of God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or image, imagine it in your mind. And I want it to come alive to you. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and a great crowd pressed into him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into the one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon, uh, Master Simon replied, we've worked hard all last night. It didn't catch a thing. That is the extent of my fishing ability right there. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. This time their nets were so full they began to tear. 
A shout for help brought their partners to the other boat. And soon the other boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm much, too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that were caught, as were the others. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were amazed. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. The biggest catch in their business life And Jesus said, now I want you to leave that and follow me. It's it's a big ask. It's a big ask. I'd like to follow through the story a little bit now, just kind of in pieces, and kind of pull out a few of the things in terms of God's calling in our life, and to see the supernatural and the miraculous to be common for us. You know, the story, as we read through it, you, you, you've heard the story, you've read it before, but Jesus is teaching, the crowds are pressing in, and so kind of a natural thing to do is to kind of go out in the water and maybe stand on a boat or sit in a boat, and the shoreline, if you know the Sea of Galilee, kind of goes up, and it's kind of a natural amphitheater. People could just sit down, it could be hundreds, thousands, really, and Jesus could speak, and you know how things carry off the water, and and uh, and, and the crowds were there, and Jesus says to, to Simon, who's a fisherman, who evidently has been fishing all night and uh, was cleaning his nets, um, he says to him, can I, I use the boat? Actually, he actually gets in the boat, but it's a kind of a gentle invitation, can I get in? And it's interesting to me that Jesus, in the beginning of this story, is reaching out to Peter. He's taking the first step to Peter and reaching out to him, a simple request, just can I use your boat? And I realize that the working of God in our life is not us begging God to somehow do something for us, but the first steps that God, that it happens in our relationship with our Heavenly Father is God reaching out to us. In the prodigal son story, the Bible says that he went off and did his wild living, and then he, he, he was broke, and he came back home. And the Bible says while he was a distance away, his father saw him. So he may have turned and moved toward his home, but the father saw him. Secondly, the father uh, uh, ran to him, unheard of. Then the father embraced him and kissed him, which, which said, I forgive you, I welcome you, before he says anything. And this is so amazing to us because somehow we're looking for the apology well, did he apologize at least? Did he, did, he say, did he say he was sorry for what he did? The Father's first expression to us is to reach out to us and love us. Even in the midst of all of the crud and junk in our lives, he's reaching out to us. Here Peter is, there he is, and he's fisherman and he's doing his things. And, and uh, Jesus knows what he's doing when he's talking to Peter. Can I use your boat? He sees everything. He's watching. While the prodigal was a far ways off, the father saw him. Uh, our, our kids enjoyed sports as I enjoy sports. And uh, I've watched them whatever they were play. Uh, if it was basketball, I'd see nine people on the court and one. I always knew the one, where the one was. 
Then they enjoyed other sports that were like soccer. And so here's 21 people on the field and one. I saw the ball. I saw the play. I always knew where the one was. Always knew where the one was. Because I was always watching them. I was aware of them. And the father sees the population, sees what everybody's doing, but he has his eye on you. And he's watching for you. And while you're still even afar off, he's looking for you, taking action toward you. Peter's just minding a little bit with his boat, and Jesus reached out to him and says, can I use your boat? When he finished speaking, he said, here was the invitation. Jesus Jesus had something else in mind, a bigger calling on Peter's life than Peter knew. The first one was to get in the boat. The second invitation is, let's go into the deep and catch some fish. Jesus started with, can you use your boat? To the next step, let's go deeper. This is good. Really nice time here with all these people. But let's go deeper. Let's go farther. Let's do something nobody's done. You've come to Christ. You've received in your life. It's all great. We come to church. We worship. And he's saying to you today, I see the 21, but I see you. Let's go deeper. Let's go a little further. Let's do something miraculous. Let's do something unheard of. Let's do something that like a little boy like David could do amongst the world champion. I, I love the story of the little mouse who was a friend of the elephant. And they're going to cross the bridge, kind of a rickety bridge. And mouse on the back of the elephant. And elephant rumbles across the bridge. And the bridge shakes. And they get to the other side. And mouse says, wow, we really shook up that bridge, didn't we? The invitation is, come on, let's cross that bridge. And don't make it about you. Make it about what God wants to do through you. It's going out where the water's deeper. It's farther from the shore. I don't know what your shore is. We've all got shore lines somewhere where it's safe, it's secure, it seems like it's all in control and everything's fine. But the invitation is let's go out deeper where it's scarier and riskier and more dangerous. But that's where the fish are. The question I have to ask myself is how much of my present life that I'm living could be accomplished without God in my life? I've got some skills. I can do a job. They pay me. I live in a nice neighborhood. We've got a vehicle that works. and We've got kind of retirement plans in way. And I'm just asking God to put the cherry on the top. That's your shore. And he's inviting you You've got to get away from the safety of the shore. Because the miracles are out in the deep. Where past experience says after fishing all night long, it's impossible. There's no fish today. I don't know where they went. On holidays, they weren't last night. 
Not going to happen. The invitation is let's go deeper. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How's he doing that? He's doing that through you and me who are going deeper. Now, if you live on the shoreline, you don't need miracles. But if you answer the call to go deeper, there's where the miracles will happen. Master Simon replies, we worked all night last night, didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down. This is where Peter chose to put his trust in Jesus and take him at his word. Because in those deep places is where you listen a little more clearly and say, what do you want me to do, Lord? That that doesn't make any sense. That that doesn't make any sense at all. We fished all night. It's not going to work. But my experience has been this. But your word says, says that. Jesus, when tempted, said, man can't live on bread alone, but live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God's word is still spoken to us, both in his word to our spirits and also his written word that we read. How many of us can go a day or two or three or five or seven without even reading God's word? Because on the shoreline, we don't seem to need it as much. But if you're walking out in the deep, you're listening to Jesus with his word. What is the word today? What am I reading today? Is the word coming alive? What did he speak to my heart? What's the word? What is the word I'm going to stand on? When I pray this prayer, what am I going to stand on with what he promised? Somebody somebody with a good heart was saying, my friend is sick and so forth. Would you join me in begging God to do something? We don't beg him. We stand on his promises. See, we were begging because he's a taskmaster, and he's, but he's your father, and he's given us promises. And how, what, is my, what is the word that he, if you say so, I'll do that? What is the promise attached to the prayer? And so when we are without God's word in our life, we, we, we float and go about. Our prayers are founded upon his word, but he says, ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. We keep asking and we keep believing and we keep trusting because he knows the stars by name. I mean, we all sang it. He knows the stars by name. He knows your situation. What could happen this week, this month, this year, if God breathed in supernatural power into the things you did, that it multiplied 30, 60, 100 times, 30, 60, 100 times, what would happen to your bottom line? <laughs> what would happen in your family? What would happen in your marriage? What would happen in those points where God's breathing, his power is being revealed in those moments? And we stand on his word at that time, The Bible says that he said, okay, we're going to do it. They put their nets up. Boom! Their nets are so full of fish, it begins to tear. All night long, nothing. In a moment, it's massive. It's tearing. This is where it gets interesting. Because when God's doing something new, 
I find the old wineskins don't hold it very well. You need new wineskins. And what worked last week may not be what's working this week. And so the systems you've been counting on, the way you've been operating the last two months as a new Christian, the last 25 years if you've been in the faith for a while, he's doing something that's going to tear. Because that old is not going to hold what's new. Old ways of operating in that is not going to make... He's, there's going to be tearing in our lives when God's miraculous power starts breathing into our situations. And it, and it will we'll want to say, let's go back to the shore. We don't have torn nets that way. But out in the deep where we're trusting God in his situations, and you start changing in the midst of this, what begins to tear are some of the old mindsets that you've had that I've had, and he's breathing, and he's, through his word, we're beginning to have the mind of Christ. Your language starts changing. There's a transforming work. What also amazes me in this story is the absolute generosity that God has in this miracle. I realized something as I've been dwelling on this the last five, six weeks. God is, is not thrifty. He's generous. He's not cheap. I watched the overkill of creation, of what he did in his creation. And I, I was trying to recall the numbers, and I, I, I couldn't recall them this morning, but I, I heard this, the scientist Canadian scientist, uh, astronomer, talking about 100 billion galaxies and 100 billion stars in those galaxies and then lets us how many planets are around those stars. Whoa, that's a bit excessive, you know? And when God chooses to work in those situations, he operates in a way that blows your understanding at those moments. And now the nets are filling, and the Bible says a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When the miracle happened in Peter's life, it impacted everybody around him. When you're changing... It changes atmospheres and things around you. If you change as a husband, you will change your marriage. If you change as a father or a mother, it'll change your children. If you change as an employee, it'll change other employees around you. You can do all the preaching you want, and man, we've heard all the words, but if you change the system that you're operating in in your home, changes. Because what, what we did last week, we're not doing that anymore. So how I impact my marriage is I get transformed. And as the miracle is pouring through me, it starts rippling to the people in the other boat. Well, what's going on? 
just taking God at his word. I've just listened to what he said. We did it, and now this is happening. Now their boat's starting to sink. You see the impact? Like we can preach with our fingers pointing of what our kids should be doing and their families and our grandchildren and our friends. And so, But if you start getting transformed, your mind gets renewed. You start trusting God. You start walking in the ways. You change the systems. The system was we all do our little thing. Here's how it works. Now you change. Everybody's got to adjust. Everybody's been leaning on you in a certain way. You move a little bit. Everybody shifts. And it won't be always comfortable for them. But they begin to experience what you're experiencing. The miracle is done in you, but it's not just for you. He's doing it through you. The miracle that you're praying for, and this fellow that was asking for prayer, begging God to do, but it's the miracle that God is doing is going to be done, yes, as you have been praying, but he's doing it through you to impact many, many around you. It's not about you. You have a need. I know you have a need. But let's, as we're trusting God, stand on it. Now we're changing. Now we're starting to grow more confident in what God's doing. But with each miracle, we're growing stronger. We're growing closer to God. We're growing taller. Now, help me a little bit. I know this was asked, but uh, this is what I was going to do earlier. How many have seen experience? How many have first-hand experience? God's healing in your life. Can you just put your hand up? I know we did this before. Okay, when that happens in your life, when God changes that, watching a disaster potentially happen right in front of your eyes. Okay. You go up a step. Because now you're you're saying, God did that miracle. I'm going to believe for other people's miracles. I'm going to believe for miracles of my family. I'm going to believe for that healing and other people, because I've seen it. But if you said to yourself, well, it happened that time, but I don't know. Sometimes God heals and sometimes he doesn't. Unbelief settles in your heart and you go back to the same level. The miracle should not leave you the same way it was when it happened. The miracle says, wow, he changed. Look, look at all those fish. We're about, how many have seen God's provision? You've had a need and God's brought provision to you. Now you step up on that step and say, now this, that's what God has done. He's going to do that again. Because I'm going from glory to glory. Now let me tell you, there's a lot of valleys in between. <laughs> but I'm standing on that, that place where I'm getting stronger. The miracle is not just to get you out of your hot water and the mess you're in. It's to transform you. So that when you're going to see the next situation, I'm trusting God for and it just goes from step to step. If they'd given me a higher one, you know, I'd do it. But I can only, only work with what I got. Miracles are not just to make life more comfortable on the shore. You understand? And then maybe he'll do it again or maybe he won't. You know, because some prayers get answered and some don't. And that unbelief starts to become the prevailing factor of our life. And we begin to live our life through our experiences and not through the word of God. When you read God's word, you go, well, I've been fishing all night, Lord, but your word says this, so I guess I'm going to do it. 
And I've had that situation, and nothing's happened. Like, it's been hard, but your word says to do it, so I'm going to step up and do it. That's when the miracle took place. The move, miracles move us closer to Jesus and closer to his calling on our life. It's moving us. It's moving us. God has a calling on your life. Look at what he says here. His partners, James and John, sons of Zebedee, were amazed. Jesus replied, don't, don't, be, uh, don't be afraid from now on. You'll be finished fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. The miracles that God is doing in our lives is moving us closer to Jesus and to fulfill his calling in our lives. You have a calling on your life, whether you want to recognize it or not. I accepted a calling in my life, actually, ironically, a number of years ago, when I was an intern in this church. And my wife and I moved to Airdrie and started a church there. Two 21-year-old kids, and just willing to try to do something. I didn't even sure I was even a pastor. I committed my life to say, I'm going to follow that calling, no matter if we have children or we don't, no matter if our family is 25 or 3, I'm going to fulfill that calling if I move to another city or town, I'm going to fulfill the calling that God has for me. Whether I have financially become highly successful or it's been more challenging, I'm going to fulfill that calling in my life. Whether I'm... 75 or 25, I'm going to fulfill that calling in my life. Because the calling in my life is not about me, it's about him. And it's about the miracles that he's working in my life. And when he said, come follow me, and they left it all, the question is, are you still willing to leave it all and follow him? And does that change at 65, 55, 45, or wherever you are? Does that change once you're married and you have children? Where does that change? We've got calling in our lives, and God is seeking to fulfill that and move us forward. And God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. I'm going to invite you to stand with me, if you would. And I want to pray for you. It's been a very special morning already. But I believe God's been speaking to you. I've been telling, I've been reading his word and mentioning a few things. But the Holy Spirit... Like, I don't know how many hundreds of people in here, but, you know, 500, 800 people and one. (laughs) And he sees you. And he's watching you. And he's saying, come on up. Let's go the deep. And let's catch some fish. Let's see what can happen. I know this, that God is generous as he pours out his spirit, his strength, his resources upon us to fulfill his calling. <clears throat> Father, I just want to pray for each one here today. As we've gathered in this place, I pray, Father, that uh, those places in our lives that we've held on to the shoreline, that we're going to let go. Lord, we're going to let go. You don't have to pry our hands off. We let it go. We let go of some of our earliest thoughts and pursuits that we had and we just want to sacrifice again whether we're 
12 or 112, we just let our hands go and say, Lord, do it again in, in me, through me, working through me to accomplish your purposes. The callings you have are not rescinded. They are still at work. The gifts and callings of God are still at work in you. And so, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name for miracles, for the transforming of homes and transforming of of families in Jesus' name. I just pray, Father, for your purpose to to be met in our lives. Now to the God who's able to do immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine according to his work, his presence that is at work within us. So, Father, I pray, work within us demonstrating your purposes and plans over our life. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Let's just offer praise to God today. What he's saying and his purposes over our life. Hallelujah. Lord, just do it again, we pray. Do it again, Lord, we pray. Do it again, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. He is a miracle-working God. He's a miracle-working God. Hallelujah. 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 Um, I'm going to invite those who are part of the prayer team if they would join me here at the front. You got something else you want people to pray with you about? We're going to be here. We're going to pray with you. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, can I tell you? You got to let go of the shore and put simple trust in what God has done for you through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Let us pray with you today and experience new life, new hope, and His purposes in our life. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. I think our time is gone, and uh, so. In the midst of the transition, we're here to pray for you. Let me just bless you as you go. So, Father, now I just pray you go with us in the power of your spirit. And we look forward to gathering together, whether it's tonight, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or next Sunday. And we're going to recount the goodness of God and how we've lived in the land of the living, how you've proven yourself again to be strong and fighting those battles praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. We're here to pray with you. God bless you. God be with you.